One of my favorite shows to catch reruns of growing up was The Nanny, starring Fran Drescher. In the show, this woman, Fran Fine, becomes the nanny to an affluent widower's children following the passing of the children's mother. Recently on Twitter, people have been trying to figure out how Fran was able to afford her designer wardrobe, and yes, the doll Don designer while working as a nanny. Miss Fran Fine did live rent-free in the home with a family, but was dressed in Moschino, Frazzachi, and Mugley, just to name a few. I need to finish rewatching the series, but I'm pretty sure Fran bought everything on sale, and the clothes weren't intended to be derived as designer, but seen as tacky instead. However, a Twitter user tweeted that Fran had a cousin that boosted clothes for her. Welcome to Most Fashionable Crime, a fashion-related true crime podcast hosted by me, Taryn. If you want to stay on trend, make sure to sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow MFC on Twitter at Most Fashionable, and Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Most Fashionable Crime. There is also a discussion group on Facebook and a Reddit community, which are both linked in the notes. In this episode, we are talking about boosting. A video went viral on Twitter a couple weeks ago of a woman with a rack of Nike tech trying unsuccessfully to get into a getaway car, but the car drives off leaving her. She drops the clothes and attempts to make a run for it, and ultimately she is arrested. This video will be included in the YouTube video, but I will also share it on the MSC socials and it is linked in the notes in case you want to watch. Professional shoplifting is one of the seven types of shoplifting according to the blog Third Millennium Classrooms. According to the same blog, professional shoplifters account for 20% of shoplifting losses and often shoplift multiple expensive or high-end items at a time. They usually steal as a part of their lifestyle for profit or greed. They're usually underemployed as shoplifting may be their full-time job. Nike Tech is not luxury, but it is pretty pricey and will run you over $200 for a set of the nice quality sweatsuits. It is very popular, especially among men in regard to athleisure. It's essentially their version of Lululemon leggings and tanks for women. All in all, the woman probably had over $1,000 worth of Nike Tech joggers in her arms in this video. I used to work in retail and usually when people steal heaps of clothes without caring about the size, they're usually planning to sell the clothes. Did I physically try to stop them or tell them to stop? Absolutely not. The way I was trained to handle shoplifters was to keep talking to them and maybe they would stop or maybe that would give security enough time to get there. One time a couple of women came into the store I worked in and after I greeted them, one of my coworkers came over to tell me they were shoplifting. I looked over and they were chewing off the security tags. I don't know about you, but if you can chew off security tags while looking someone straight in the eye, I don't know what to tell you. That is truly what it means to be built different, so to speak. And there is simply nothing I could have done to stop such an act of defiance. Boosting is a form of organized retail crime. A booster is someone that steals merchandise with the intent to resell it, while a fencer is someone that buys the stolen merchandise from the booster with the intent to resell it too. You may recall that I mentioned fencing in the Bling Ring episode. Those that buy from fencers may not know that they are purchasing stolen goods. There are also those that buy directly from boosters and keep the stolen merchandise that they paid for. Essentially, a booster is slang for a professional shoplifter. If you Google booster, a Wikipedia page for a booster bag will pop up. 
A booster bag is a bag used to shoplift. It can be handmade or crafted from a regular book bag or a handbag. It is lined with material, usually aluminum foil, to provide an electromagnetic shield, which prevents the sensors from going off when the shoplifter exits the store. Typically, boosters go after whatever the higher-end items are in the stores. For the store I worked in, that was denim. I also witnessed someone steal fragrances that retail for over $500 from a high-end department store. That one that I witnessed was a snatch and grab because, of course, the more expensive, the tighter the security. He was moving so fast that he actually shattered one of the glass doors while leaving. While at a grocery store, the higher-end items can mean wine and beer. As with most jobs, you start off at an entry-level position and move your way up once you gain more knowledge, experience, and confidence. Boosters usually start off with stealing smaller, easily concealed items such as makeup and cheap jewelry. Professional shoplifting can be seen as an ideal criminal activity to choose from because you can bring in a lot of money and it is low risk in terms of getting caught in jail time. Of course, that depends on what you stole and its value if you were to get caught. It varies state by state what dollar amount puts the shoplifter at a misdemeanor or a felony. Let's get into why this is such a big deal. In 2011, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, also known as the FBI, released information that stated that organized retail crime is a $30 billion industry. According to an article written by Anya Kane, a business insider, the estimate includes crimes other than shoplifting like the switching of price tags, credit card fraud, and gift card fraud. At first, I just thought it was something people did on the side and here and there while still keeping a cute part-time job or something. But people have actually made careers and organizations from boosting. The National Retail Federation found in a 2020 survey that there had been a 60% increase from 2015 in organized retail theft and that for every $1 billion in sales, an average of $719,548 is stolen. Now, of course, we were in the midst of a pandemic or still are, so I'm sure a lot more people found themselves needing to steal to get by. Compared to $1 billion, less than $1 million is not a lot in comparison, to be honest, especially seeing that video with the man with the grains of rice. If you haven't seen it, I will link it. Shrink percentages and numbers are planned ahead of time for each retail store. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the term, shrink is lost inventory that can be attributed to shoplifting, damages, an error by the cashier, employee theft, and basically any reason for why if you're supposed to have 50 shirts in your store stocked for inventory, why is it only 42 shirts inside the store? How are people buying these stolen items? Some people would think back on flea markets and pawn shops, which is where you could typically find stolen goods or counterfeit goods for sale, or in places like Chinatown and New York City and San Diego where people hawk goods on the street. The same Business Insider article believes that they are being sold online through e-commerce platforms after being stolen in-store. I can see the spike in retail theft, especially given that in-person shopping has decreased by a lot in the past 10 years or so. The malls don't have as much traffic, which means less employees are working in the stores they have left. E-commerce platforms like eBay and Amazon do have systems in place to aid in preventing stolen goods from being listed on their sites. I think a lot of stolen merchandise is being fenced through social media. Someone added me to a Facebook group once of boosters and there are a lot of posts about what items people were going to target or source and people would comment the size that they wanted. 
I abruptly left the group because that is just not my cup of tea. And I feel like the law is always present on the internet, especially in those types of Facebook groups. I think a lot of people underestimate social media in itself being an e-commerce platform, especially seen as Facebook Marketplace is a huge thing. And a lot of service based businesses, unfortunately, only allow you to put through their Instagram. I'm not here to teach you how to boost, nor have I ever boosted or received boosted items. I'll let Shakina put it this way. I don't know nothing about that lifestyle, whatever y'all got going on, because that's not me. I cannot find a lot of detailed accounts of boosting, but I did find an article by Rebecca Leong published in 2004 for 60 Minutes or CBS News titled Boosting for Billion South American Immigrant Gains Engaging in Shoplifting. During this time in 2004, $10 billion were being stolen from stores each year. The FBI decided to hone in on what they referred to as South American theft groups because according to retailers, a lot of that $10 billion in theft stemmed from, and this is a direct quote from the article, gains of highly skilled, well-organized professionals from South America. These groups are not limited to one location, and according to a security consultant, they can be traced to Miami, California, New York, Chicago, and Maryland. It is estimated that there are up to 1,000 of these groups working each day, and a lot of them started as pickpocketers in Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, and Chile before making their way to the United States to boost their career and move upward and on to cargo theft and jewelry heists if they were really good. Apparently, there is a school called the School of the Seven Bells, where a mannequin was dressed and bells were attached to each pocket, and each pocket was a wallet. And the goal was to remove a wallet from each of the pockets without ringing a bell. Not everyone was able to acquire this talent, so some stole from apparel retail stores like Old Navy. They would steal by having a couple of them distract the salespeople while others placed the merchandise in booster bags and left with them. Because they are professionals, they have successful systems in place that prove to be efficient. The merchandise ends up for sale in larger cities for a heavy discount and in other countries and online. It would have been so interesting to see a collaboration with these gains and Doris Payne, an international jewelry thief I did the first episode of this podcast on. Reading more about the South American gains and their tactics, I think they may have been too much to deal with even for Doris. For instance, when it came to a jewelry heist, they would watch the jewelry store and identify the courier or supplier. After identifying them, they would watch and follow their routine for weeks and even months before committing the robbery. They would act after putting a hole in one of the couriers or suppliers' tires and steal the jewelry, resorting to violence if they deemed it necessary. According to the article, within 24 hours, the stolen gems would be recut, precious metals melted down, and entered back into the jewelry industry. As with the Doris Payne case, a lot of these jewelers knew exactly what was going on. They simply didn't care. It increased their profits. It is believed that a good amount of South American boosters come to the United States and steal jewelry or shoplift for about six months and collect a profit and then return back home. If the pandemic didn't teach you this, businesses care about money and not people. A lot of anti-theft practices in stores is not about keeping the workers safe but protecting the merchandise, which is why I never understood why non-security employees chase down shoplifters. But I am aware that places like to fire people for not doing so. 
despite paying them minimum wage. A lot of retailers say that due to high theft, the cost of items will go up. They were probably going to do that anyway. There are a lot of methods companies have in place to prevent crimes such as Home Depot selling power tools that will only work after they have been scanned at the register and activated using Bluetooth technology. I want to focus on Target for this part because last summer I learned via Twitter that Target has a forensic laboratory. Not just any forensic laboratory, this one is top rated. They opened the lab in 2003 and they maintain two of them in two different cities, one being in the city in which they are headquartered, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the other one is in Las Vegas, Nevada. The labs provide forensic examination and help law enforcement on special cases such as felony and homicide for free. This connection is very intriguing to me and I will put a post in the discussion group for us to chit chat about it. I read this somewhere, but I can't locate the source now. But what I read was that if you steal from their stores because of their cameras that they have everywhere, they will dust products you touch for fingerprints. And then they will wait until you steal something that will lead to you being charged for felony shoplifting to have you arrested. I don't know how much of that is true or if any of it is true. That's just what I read. Basically, if you are looking to shoplift, don't do it at Target. They have all the computer forensics, video and image analysis, and latent fingerprint technologies to get you on up out of here. It's also not a bad idea to keep your receipts. Thank you for listening to Most Fashionable Crime and make sure to head over to the MFC YouTube channel and blog to see visuals. All of my sources are linked in the notes. In case you're wondering, this podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Taryn. All the music you hear in the episode is from Epidemic Sound. 